0: Here it's been going about a year and a half, and it's called City Church, and it's in Altamont Springs. And I want to interview Eugene and Laura Smith, who God brought down from Seattle to start this thing. Now, there's there's my first question: what in what in the world happened that God led you here from
1: Seattle to start a church? Oh, uh, it's from Seattle. Well, it's uh, you know how God works in our life. I had felt the call. Uh, we were pioneer pastors in the inner city of Seattle back in 1990 and we did that for about three and a half years and then we left and went to a large staff and we're on staff at a church there but the whole time I had the stir you know that stir when you know you're supposed to be doing something and I had that stirring and as we began to pray and seek the Lord uh, we had thought of several areas around the country and Florida actually had not been one of them but as we begin to pray, the circumstances just seemed to kind of point us this direction and uh, the time, right at this time that we were considering uh, starting, uh, we had asked the Lord. We said, Lord, if you want us to go to Florida, then make, just make it really clear to us. That was on a Saturday night, Joel. And on Sunday morning, a couple that had attended our church on an occasional basis, they were uh, executives with Boeing, and and uh, he had been traveling all over the world. And he had just come home for a short two-week stint, and his wife comes up to us right after the service, and she says, uh, Pastor Eugene, she goes, uh, when are you guys going to start a church? And now these people, there's no way that they could know that this was happening. It's just, you know, it's one of those things. It's a God thing. You know, God puts words in, even in people's mouths. And she goes, why don't you go to Florida and start a church and we'll go with you. And when she said that, I almost fell over. I just started to laugh. And I said, I said, wait a second, got to call Laura, Laura over. And so it was in between services. We were doing multiple services there. And I called my wife over. And I said, Laura, you got to hear what Joyce says said. 15 years ago. There's a great new
0: church in town here. It's been going about a year and a half.
1: We've just flat out run out of room. Our parking is inadequate, our auditorium is limited, our bathrooms are uncomfortable, and our nursery, children's, and youth ministry space is maxed out. But right now, we have an opportunity to purchase a state of the art facility that changes all of that. Where we're seated today could be the future home. Of City Church. The opportunity that lies before us quadruples our ability to bring God's love to the city one person at a time. The auditorium seats over 800 people. There's a children's ministry that seats over 200. And not only that, it's got a world-class women's restroom. But we need your help. We need to raise over 1 million dollars.
2: A while back God gave City Church this promise from Isaiah 54 where it says, make your tents large Spread out. Think big. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. Don't be afraid. Don't hold back. You're not going to come up short.
1: And we're asking you to do just that. Think big. Bigger than you ever thought you could think. The Bible says that God can do exceedingly, abundantly more than you could ever ask or think. Leonard Ravenhill once said, the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of that opportunity. And I'm asking you, the opportunity is now, to think big, to reach. Amen. Well, come on, you can clap. That's good. Now, that's part of my story for the last 15 years. But we all got a story. Every person in this room has a story. Isn't that right? I want you to, just to think about your story just for a moment. Think about where you are today, okay? Now, if you're a follower of Christ, I want you to... Go back to when you got what I call good saved. When I got good saved. I was 21, and uh, I had a lot of junk in my background, but God miraculously delivered me. God miraculously set me free from drugs and all kinds of stuff that I was involved in. And then I just kind of look at my story to where I am today. I just just, start, just start where you were at, right? Okay. And I want you to look at this picture real quick. I want you to just see how we normally look at our life. Here's, you know, we get saved. We get born again. And then here we are today, you know, how many ever years later? One year, two years, six months, five years, 10 years, 15 meets. 30 It'll be 31 years this November 17th that God changed my life and caused me to be born again. Can you give God a big hand? Come on, amen, 31 years. That's how we normally kind of we think about it in our mind. But here's the real story. Here's the, I want you to see the real story. I got saved <laughs> 31 years ago. <laughs> And my life has been like this, and then this, and then I had a little back. Come on, isn't that true? And isn't that your story? I mean, isn't that really your story today? I mean, you know, God has done this work in your life, and you look back, and maybe you were living at this place, and then you were over here, and then maybe you, know, you stopped being part of a local church for a little bit, and then you got reconnected, and then started serving God again. And maybe you've been on a pretty good stretch. I've been on a pretty good stretch now for a little while, but my life still has those ups and downs and moments of insecurities and fears and struggles with sin and all the stuff that we go through as as Christians and believers. And, you know, like the great theologian Bob Marley once said, though the road's been rocky, it sure feels good to me. <laughs> In fact, is our road many times is rocky, isn't that right? Bob Marley did have that one, right? The road is rocky. It's not always easy. And this morning, we're in week two of our REACH campaign. Last week, we talked about the why. We talked about why REACH. Why, why do we want to see God bring more and more people to faith in Christ? And we had a brochure last week that we handed out to those of you that were here. It's this REACH brochure. It kind of explains what we are doing right now. And the theme verse is found in 2 Corinthians four fifteen. so that God's grace can reach more and more people. Because that's what God wants to do. God wants to reach more and more people. And if you weren't here last week and you didn't get one of these brochures, could just raise your hand. I want to make sure that every person in the room gets one of these brochures this morning. If you could just keep your hand up, the ushers will bring one of these to you. Inside, we talk about more about the opportunity, that video that you just saw, and, and that you were able to meet our two campaign coordinators, Richard Miles and, and Joyce Schauer. They're here in the front row with me this morning, but they... Along with about 15 other of our core leaders and then our staff, we've been praying and strategizing and planning and working and believing that God is going to enable us to reach more people by by buying a facility that's going to enable us to, to seat over 800 people in one service. Currently, in our weekly Sunday morning services, we run between 675 and 750 people on, a, on our week, weekly services with our Wednesdays. We're over 1,000 people every week on this campus. And in one service, one service of that property over off of Orange Boulevard, we can run over 800 people. The auditorium seat's over 800. We could probably have 1,000 people in one service. And it takes us, that, takes us four services to do that today. So we are in this process. And I, I've been thinking about, you know, why? Why, God? Why do you really want us to do that? And I feel like God really helped me to address that last week. Why does God want us to do this now? Why is the time? Why is now the time? But today I want to talk to you about the what. Everyone say what. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Joshua chapter 3, and I want to answer the what question. What does God want us to do? The fact is, you have a story, and the Bible the Bible is full of real people who live real lives, although it was a long time ago, real people who live real lives, who have a story. And we are here today because of their story. You have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3, and I want you to, to look at verse number 1, or start at verse number 1. And we're going to stand together in honor of the reading of God's Word. Joshua chapter 3, and we're going to begin with verse number 1. We're going to go 1 through 6, and then we're going to skip over to verse number 12 through 17. And the Bible says, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Chittim and went to the Jordan." Where they camped before crossing over. Everyone say crossing over. This is significant. 21 times in chapters 3, 4, and 5, you will see this phrase, crossing over or going over. In the Hebrew, it was one word, but 21 times God tells his children, God tells his people that they're going to cross over. And the Lord says, after three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord your God, and the Levitical priest carrying it, carrying it, you are to move out from your position and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits or about 1,000 yards between you and the Ark, and do not go near it. Verse number 5. But Joshua told the people, consecrate. Everyone say consecrate. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing. Everyone say amazing. Amazing. The Lord will do amazing things among you. And Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant, pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. Now I want you to look at verse number 12. And the Bible says, now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priest who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke up, broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage during, during harvest. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the waters edge. The water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away. Most scholars believe in this area is about 15 miles from where they were currently standing. At a town called Adam. While the water flowing down to the sea, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over. Everyone say crossed over. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. And the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground. Everyone say dry ground. Well, all people, all all Israel passed until the whole nation had completely crossed over on dry ground. Everyone said that's impossible. You know, the fact is today, my big idea, God will make the impossible possible. God will make the impossible possible if we simply step out and believe. That's the heart of God today. I want us to pray this morning. I want you to open your hearts. I want you to place your hands upon your chest. And I'm going to ask God, because in your life and in my life, we have things that are impossible that only God can make possible in our reality today. Father, I thank you for every person that's in this room. Thank you, Lord, for the great time of worship that we've experienced your presence. And we do believe that you are the God that hears You're the God that sees, you're the God that knows, and you've never changed. Lord, I am so grateful for what you are doing in the lives of this great church, and God, how you are leading and directing us today. Now, Lord, I speak to your people today. I speak, God, with a confidence, knowing that you are truly with us. Lord, I pray that you will give them the grace and the strength to hear exactly what you want them to hear. God, I need your help. I can't do this without you. Like Joshua of old, he couldn't do it without you, but he had a promise that you were with them, with him God, as you are with Joshua, I believe you are with me today. So God, when I speak, I pray that I speak your words and let your words go into the hearts and the minds of your people today. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. Last week, I stood before this congregation and I talked about an opportunity. I talked about this opportunity that lies before us as a church family. How many of you do not have Facebook in this room? How many people are not on Facebook? Okay. Okay, we got a few. Most everyone in this room is on Facebook. On Facebook, they have a status. You know, married, single. But there's also a third option. You know what the third third option is? Complicated. (laughs) Everyone say complicated. The process that we've been in for the last five minutes has been quite complicated. There's been... Many backstories and many things that I haven't completely understood. But we are at this point in our journey of trying to purchase the property that's located at 1701 Orange Boulevard or Orange Avenue right here in the Sanford community. We're in the process, and we've been negotiating and talking with the people that are responsible for the sale of this building for quite a while now. A couple of weeks ago, it looked like we were very close to securing a deal. And at the last moment, the last moment, literally the day that that they were going to give us an answer on our offer Someone offered $600,000 more money than we did. So, I mean, that's, you know, we live by an open and shut door policy at City Church. I mean, you know, God opens doors, God shuts doors. And so I I just couldn't believe it. First of all, why would someone offer that much more money? I mean, that to, to me didn't make sense. but but i just said god you know and uh, we begin to find out a little more information about the offer and we realize their offer is also complicated and they had a certain amount of time to come up with money to put into a, an escrow account and they were not able to fulfill that and so over the last several weeks they have uh, they have not been able to meet their obligation to be able to close the deal which brings us to where we are today as of today as of today we still don't have a contract on that building but we are still in negotiation with the principals that are responsible for selling this building. So we are at the Jordan. And this, in this realm, in this story of the children of Israel, we're at our place as a local church family that we're at our Jordan. We're at a place where it seems to be impossible. And, and unless God shows up, and unless God works out something supernaturally in our, on our behalf, it's like the children of Israel. You know, the back story to their story is this. That for 40 years, 40 years... They wandered in the wilderness. Their life was kind of like that little squiggly thing that I showed. They were, you know, they, God did this incredible thing. He raises up this leader, Moses, and he delivers them from Egypt, 400 years of slavery. And he says, listen, I got a plan for you. I got a promised land for you that I told your father Abraham about. And you're going to go to this land and it's full of milk and honey and it's full of great opportunities. And, and you're not going to believe what I have in store for you. But but. There was a problem. Everyone say there was a problem. You know, they, they had a problem. And the, and the problem was is that where they were to where God wanted to take them was an 11-day journey. It was an 11-day journey for them to leave the land of Egypt, to cross over the Red Sea, which is impossible. Everyone say, impossible. Come on. It's impossible. I mean, we know you, we see it in a movie. But can you imagine if you were standing there with Moses and 3 million people? And this guy raises up. You're like, okay, that guy's an idiot. What's he doing? Right? Moses just simply raises up a staff because he knew God. He had a relationship with God and he knew that God was with him and those seas parted and they walked across the dry ground. And you would think after that kind of miracle... If you would think after that kind of transformation, they would just simply believe this is possible. That Here we are 40 years later, and when we didn't have food, God sent manna from heaven. And we didn't have meat. God sent quail. We didn't have water. God caused water to come out of a rock. And when we got really sick and we were dying in a plague, God caused us you know, to, to look at this snake on a pole, on a stick. And if we would look at it, we'd be healed. And to see the provision of God over and over and over. And for 40 years, their shoes never ran out. I mean, their shoes never wore out their clothing. They wore the same clothes and the same shoes for 40 years because they didn't need to buy any. I mean, God was supernaturally with them. You know, the, the fact is, when we look at these two chapters in Joshua, the first couple of chapters in Joshua, we just see over and over and over there's impossibilities. You see, today, today, when we look at this story, we will just, oh, it's so easy. Yeah, come on, you know, they Joshua, he saw those things and. I want you to know today that Hebrews tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the God who never changes. He's the God who is always able to make the impossible possible in our life if we simply believe. He's always able to do that. How could Joshua believe that? How could the children of Israel believe that? Number one, I want you to hear this one. They believed that the promise that God had given to them was for them they believe the promise of God the fact is that God wants you to believe his promises the promise that God has given to us in Joshua God in Joshua chapter 1 the bible says that God said to Joshua i will give you every place where you set your foot God promised him that and then in chapter 3 the bible says that Joshua told the people consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the lord will do amazing things among you. God will do amazing. I would say amazing. You know, God deals in the realm of the amazing. That's where God is. God is in the realm of the amazing. God is in the realm of making impossible circumstances. As a matter of fact, me becoming born again was impossible. I was a rascal. I was a rebel. I mean, people that knew me, they're like, no, I remember when I, got, when I first got a really good saved and God radically changed my life. The people that I worked with, they're like, like, who are you? What happened to you? How did that happen? How did that happen? How did you go from this person always trying to do it yourself, you know, and all the stuff and angry? And how did you go from being this person that doesn't cuss anymore? It wasn't like a slow thing for me. God just instantly changed my heart. God gave me a new heart. All that anger and the junk. God, how does that happen? Because that's the realm that God deals in. God deals in the realm of changing the hearts and lives of people who will simply believe. And so we look at this, we see God telling them, I'm going to do amazing things among you. And then look at verse number 12. Look in Joshua chapter 3. He's got, Joshua says, Choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. Verse 13. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. This hasn't happened yet. They haven't crossed the Jordan River yet. As a matter of fact, the Jordan River at this time was in floodplain. I, I, I want you at flood stage. I want you to see a picture. This was taken in 1912. This is the Jordan River that was in flood stage. 1912, this is a picture t- taken over 100 years ago. This river in flood stage was over 10 feet deep, over 150 to 300 feet wide. Most scholars believe that this is where the children of Israel crossed the Jordan River. Everyone say, for them to cross that on dry ground, everyone say, impossible. That's impossible, right? Isn't that impossible? Come on, this is real. These stories, these places, the thing about the Bible is you can read the Bible and you can actually go to the places today where those exact events took place. It was a real story. It was Joshua's story. It was the children of Israel's story. And as we look at their story, man, yes, they had this great promise, this promise that God was with them, that God would give them victory. And I want you to hear today that God is with you. God will give you whatever challenge, whatever obstacle, whatever thing that you find standing before you today. God wants you to know that you are more than a conqueror. You are more than able. You are more than able to experience the miraculous power of God in your life. We all have a story today now. I know my story better than anyone because I live my story. Now, sometimes my wife will tell me her story, and I'll try to correct her story because I think I know her story better. She goes, you don't know. You weren't there when I was eight years old. I know what happened. But the fact is you have a story today. When we moved from the great Northwest, we moved from the great Northwest to Metro West. I mean, that was a story. That was an amazing story. That was God's provision. God said in January 1998, God spoke to me that I was going to do something new start something new in my life. And God put, downloaded it in my heart to bring his love to the city, one person at a time. I just had no idea that it would be Central Florida. I had no idea that it would be this community. And then we landed in Metro West, and then we ended up actually starting our church in Altamont Springs. And we were in that, they saw that video in front of that movie theater, the old AMC. It was actually a general cinema, the twin movie theater, where you saw that picture i just got to brag on Dr. Joel Hunter just for a minute here because he's just one of the finest men, one of the greatest pastors that I've ever met. But when I met Dr. Joel back then in 2000, he invited me to be part of a small group of pastors. And for three years, Dr. Joel Hunter and the great church, Northland Community Church, supported this church and gave us $1,000 a month for three years. Come on. Can you give God a big hand? And they tore that building down, and we went to another movie theater, and that was one of those squiggly lines, and I didn't know if we were going to make it, but one day this guy came to me in the middle of a church service, and he pointed his bony finger at me, and he said, this church is not going to make it. It's going to go down. He said, right, I mean, this like that to me. And I remember he just smiling. I said, thank you, Jesus. Now I know I'm going to make it. <laughs> and then we ended up in Longwood, and... And that was an amazing 18 months in Longwood as God prepared our hearts to move to this place. And over the last 10 years, to see what God has done in the Sanford community. Because there's just a group of people, not me, not just me, but a whole group of believers who believe that God has called us to bring his love to the city one person at a time. There was a couple that moved with us, that, uh, that, that moved with us on the journey. And uh, they happen also to also believe that God wanted to do amazing things through their life. And I want you to check this video now.
2: A teenager, You know, I was this pot-smoking, tequila-drinking, surfer, hippie chick, you know, at the beach every day after school, getting into trouble, doing all kinds of weird things. You know, every concert and every group you could have thought of back in the 60s, I've seen them. And now here I am, a pastor's wife, which I would have never thought that, you know, you and I would ever be together because you were always so good. But, um, but now that. here I'm a pastor's wife.
0: You know, serving the Lord. You know, I was uh, engineer at Boeing, mechanical engineer, and I've been working there many, many years in field in a, and in field service. We were in Seattle. And, uh, pastor Eugene was our pastor there. He was such a good uh, speaker, preacher, and we were just uh, excited about him. And, and Joyce actually is the one that I can't believe I that uh, she asked um, Eugene and Laura one day after church, if uh, why why don't you start a church. We, both of us, think that you're ready to start your own church. And also, we think you should go to Florida.
2: But we'll go and help you.
0: And we'll go and help thinking, you. I have so, no
2: idea where that came from or how it came yeah. out of my mouth, but there it came.
0: I just loved the idea, but I didn't know yeah. financially that we could make it work. And so I stayed up all night praying and figuring and sharpened my pencil and checked the numbers. And, and in the morning, then I Said to Joyce, yeah, we can do it. And we sold everything and got on the an airplane and. Flew down to Orlando and mm-hmm. didn't know anybody here except Eugene, but he didn't know anybody else either. So we were kind of even on that yeah, score.
2: That was great. Yeah, and, uh, no that's kidding. how
0: we got down here.
2: Yeah, as a woman, it was really hard for me at first to think about my husband giving up a very lucrative job, then not having any income whatsoever. You just go before the Lord and you say, "You know what, Lord? You are the one that's going to provide for us. We're just going to step out in faith. I believe it. I know that this is something you want us to do, and we're just going to go for it." It's been 15 years now since Hank quit his job at Boeing and became a pastor, and here we are. And we still have the same amount of money in our bank account now as we did 15 years ago. And I'm not really sure how that happened or why it happened, but I know it's a God-happening. Let's just
1: Come on, give them a great big hand this morning. With
2: six and four kids.
1: They've been on an amazing journey, 15 years, two, three years when we first started the church going to the mission field to Africa, coming back to be with us, to be our generation plus and to head up our missions. And they have had an amazing journey. You know, the fact is that they had to see that before it would become a reality. But they didn't see it with here. They saw it with here. Joshua says that you're going, in verse number 12 and 13, you're going to cross over the Jordan. You're going to cross over. They hadn't crossed over. What Joshua was looking at was that picture that we just saw. This river flowing 10 feet deep, you know, five, 10 miles. Normally, when it, when it wasn't in floodplain, it would be fl- like 3 miles an hour. It was flowing over 10 miles an hour. Joshua was looking at an impossibility. Joshua had a problem. Joshua had a huge problem. As a matter of fact, it was, a, it was a problem that was so big that there was no way, there's no way that he was going to get 2 million, 3 million people across that river, let alone on dry ground. You know, I, I've experienced problems, and, and you've experienced problems. All throughout my Christian walk, I've had moments and opportunities to put my trust in God or, or not to put my trust in God. Sometimes I've, sometimes I've been stirred up, and I've really believed it. There's been other times, and I know that I've failed. I haven't done this perfect every time. but I've been amazed to see that as I've continued to go after God, as I've, I've continued to believe God, I've continued to trust God in my own personal life, I've seen how God has made the impossible possible. You know, I look at this story here and, and they're in this place. Now they're camped out at the Jordan River. And they, they like to camp out. They like to stay. They, they, they were, they were notorious for camping out. They were notorious. I mean, they could have been across the, they could have been across into promise, the promised land that God had for them 40 years earlier. But there's something about just staying in our comfort zone. There's something about staying in the place where we're at. It's easy. Sometimes people work in jobs and they just can't stand they don't they hate their boss they don't like where they work they don't like what they do but they're afraid to step out they're afraid there's there's something about the comfortability of a paycheck of the bit having that security but what i've experienced in God is that God is always leading his people to go forward to go from faith to faith from glory to glory see God does have greatness in store for your life you're not an accident you're not a Coincidence. When we were in Longwood, when we were in Longwood, we, we had been in three Sunday morning locations. We'd probably been in ten different Wednesday night locations. We had been in my home. We'd been in the clubhouse. We'd been over at a park. At one point, we had to actually go just go out to a public park, and we brought our buses out there and had the kids in the buses doing children's ministry inside these two buses that we owned. We'd been all over the place, and we found ourselves in this location in Longwood, and. Uh, it was not a month-to-month lease. Now, if you know anything about renting properties, month-to-month leases are not very secure. Like most businesses, when they go to rent a, you know, to rent a location or a lease a location, they try to get a five-year, a 10-year. You know, Hobby Lobby comes into a community. They, they get a 99-year lease on the building, 99 years, because they plan on being there a long time. I couldn't secure a long-term lease, but the people that own the building gave me one month at a time. And, and so I knew that our position there, our place in that community was very tenuous, one Sunday, I felt God speak to me that I was supposed to do a series on miracles, the miracles of Jesus, because you, you can't read this book, guys. You can't read this book. If you just get saved and you start, you don't have any the- theological background, no one's trained you, no one's said anything else, you just start reading the pages of this book, and there is just miracle after miracle after miracle. Jesus, born of a virgin, come from God, lives a sinless life, died on the cross, rose from the dead. I mean, just over and over and over the children of Israel Joshua Moses you can go to Paul the apostle Peter James John you know Peter walks on water just miracle after miracle in the bible and I, I i knew that god i knew that we had to prepare ourselves for what god wanted to do next in our church and i i preached this mer- message on the miracles i don't even i think it was the first miracle of jesus which was turning water into wine i finished that message and at the end of that message at the end of that message someone came up to me and they said uh, pastor, I have a friend of mine, and her son uh, had an overdose last night. His friends, they took him to uh, the hospital. They just dropped him off They're at the hospital, and, and the doctors aren't expecting him to live, and they'd like to have you come down and to give last rites. Now, this young man had been without oxygen for quite a period of time, and, and I didn't know what to expect when I went down there, but, of course, I, I went down there. And I want you to see the picture when I walked into the room of what this young man looked like. This young man right here, his name is Bob Jones, and this is exactly what it looked like. And the doctor gave him no hope. The doctors gave him no hope, and the nurses were scampering around. I remember walking into the room, and and his mom, she was just crying. And she was crying, and and I had just, I had just, it, in my spirit in my heart, I I just said something like, "It's gonna be okay. Your son's gonna live." And I'm like, I'm like Joyce, you know, moving down here. And I'm like, what did I just say? I'm like but something inside of me i just knew that god wanted to heal this boy i had maybe 19 20 years of age and and i'm looking you know i'm like it just came out of my mouth and then something in me just knew i knew that i knew that god the god that parted the jordan rivers of the children of israel could walk across that god that god was able to raise this boy from the dead i just believed that i went that week and we prayed and Actually, the, her, his mom had called me that, next, that Thursday. She said, hey, will you come down? The doctor, wants to, uh, the doctor wants to talk to us about the plan for his body because they were talking about harvesting his organs. And, and so I go down there, and it's gloomy. I'm in the room. The doctor is a bad report. I'm listening to him, and I'm feeling really bad inside. And, but something in me mean, just knows. I just know that God wants to do something. here. And so the doctor leaves the room, and I find myself again looking at the family, and I said, the, the final story final story hasn't been written. God has another story, and I believe that we're going to pray. We're going to continue to pray. That Sunday, I preached on Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, and I remember as I prayed, I challenged our church family. I said, "Guys, I said, I've just been to the hospital this week, and I don't know if we had a picture, and I don't remember everything, but I remember, guys, God wants us to pray. And this I want you to, I want you to pray. I want you because what happened to me when I went down, and I looked in this man's, man's face, I saw my son. I so I want you to pray like this is your." Man, our church, your church, city church, we started to pray in the middle of that service. I know you can't believe this, but I only preached a 20-minute message that day. <laughs> I never preached 20 minutes. It don't work like that anymore. But We prayed as a church family. While we were praying, while we were praying, God supernaturally reached down to that room. And that young man, looked just like that, sat straight up in his bed, straight up in his bed six doctors. I actually have a newspaper account because I wanted, I'm telling you this story this morning because I was reading this story a couple of weeks ago and it was talking about how we bought this building and the reason that we were able to buy this building is because when God did this what I'm about to tell you in this young man's life when God did this um, we, needed a place, we needed a place to meet we needed a church building to meet it and we had no money and I was reading the story this week, a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, wow. Wow. Is it easier for God to raise the dead or to give us a million dollars? That was the question that stuck in my mind. Is it easier for God? We prayed that Sunday morning. There's a lady named Hazel Peoples. I'll never forget. She comes every once in a while still. And she prayed. I mean, a whole Holy Ghost prayer. Bam. <clears throat> and it broke. And when she prayed, Bob sat straight up in his bed. Was completely healed. Ladies and gentlemen this morning, hang on, hang on, hang on. ladies and gentlemen, this morning, I want you to meet Mr. Bob Jones. Bob, can you come and join me on the platform this morning? Come on. Come on. Can you give God a hand? Ha <laughs> ha! Yes.. <laughs> come on, is it easier? <laughs> Come on, is there anything? Listen, listen. And Bob's got a story. He's got video and he's got a story and his life hasn't been easy. But he said in my office earlier today, I said, Bob, God's not finished with you yet. I was there. I saw it. this church. Most of the people here today weren't there, but the city church family prayed for you. And I believe what Bob what God did in your life then was just a precursor of something greater than God wants to do. It's ten years down the road, a lot of stuff, a lot of waters float under the bridge, but to me, Bob, I want you to know God loves you and he's not finished with you and your best is yet to come. And it might look to be impossible what you're walking through today, but the God that rose you from that day, this day was planned by God, designed by God. Today it was designed by God. And God is able to make the impossible possible. Saved you for a purpose. It's always for a purpose so that you can reach more and more people with your story to tell people about the grace and the power and the love of Jesus. I love you. Can you stretch your hands forward towards Bob this morning? Father, I thank you that you did an incredible work that day, but you're not the God. You just don't do one miracle. You're the God of miracles. And I thank you, Lord, how that, that day you did something in my heart. That every time I've come to a difficulty, every challenge that I've had, whether it's finances or spiritual, whatever the struggle I've walked through, God, I always look back to that day and say, God, nothing is impossible for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the journey that you're taking us on as a church family to reach more and more Bob's, to reach more and more people in our community and city. And God, I bless today. I speak blessing over your people in your wonderful name. And the wonderful in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God one more big hand. Thanks, brother. Yeah. Everybody, I, I see thank you. You may be seated. I'm going to wrap it up here. i got three more pages to give you. But I'm just going to give you a couple of minutes. See, God had a plan for them. I mean, think about it. They're camped out. Two million people. Two million people camped out. And God says, you've got three days. you got three days. When we bought this building, we had no money. God had done that miracle in Bob's life, and I'm like, God, I you know, I don't know how this is going to happen, but the place that we were meeting long with, they kicked us out. So it was easier before because we had no place to go. It, it's harder today because we have a home now, and we could just camp out here and be happy, a thousand people a week, and NGI interns, and hundred kids in our academy, and well, those are all wonderful. We could just be happy, and, oh, isn't that wonderful, and call it work day, and. It's just my staff that's here. (laughs) I'm like, Jesus. We could be happy camping out here. or we could believe that God wants to do something greater in our city. Greater things are yet to come. There are more lives that need to be changed. See, it's easy to camp out. To cross the Jordan, to cross the Jordan, took faith. And you know when God parted the waters? You know, God could have parted the waters, God could have parted the waters, and then they walked across. That's not what happened. <laughs> That's not what happened. Joshua a get the priest. Get the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark represented the presence of God. It's why when we have a worship experience here, and Pastor Glenn comes up, or one of the pastors comes up, and so we believe that God's here to heal. Because there's something about being in the atmosphere of God's presence. that Just releases faith, you know that he's real. Get the ark. Inside the ark, there were the two tablets representing the law of God, the word of God. The promises of God are yes and amen to them that believe. I am the God who changes not. Jesus said, every word written in this book will be fulfilled. That's what Jesus said. The law, the Ten Commandments were in that that ark. There was a pot of gold that had a little bit of manna that represented the bread. God get provided for them when they didn't have any bread. Jesus said, I am that bread that comes down from heaven. And then there was a rod. It was Aaron's rod, Moses' brother. It was inside of there. That rod represented the, the correction of God, but it also represented the comfort of God. The correction and the comfort of God. He so said, God is able. God is able today. He so said, I want you to take that ark and put it on the priest's shoulders, and I want them to walk across. And when that first... And that first toe hit the water. Guess what happened? God opened the water. God didn't open that. God didn't part that water. God didn't part that water till they took the first step. And in preparation for that, Joshua said, "I want you to consecrate yourself. I want you to prepare your hearts." The only way that I know how to prepare my heart is to spend time with God in prayer. And so, on November 14th, Friday night at seven o'clock, I'm calling our church to pray. So, two weeks, from, two weeks from now. two weeks, about two weeks from now, almost two weeks not quite two weeks, 12 days from now we're going to join together as a church family, we're going to pray we're going to consecrate ourselves to the Lord the second thing that I know to do when I prepare myself to encounter God, to believe God for something major in my life is to spend time fasting, fasting just means I go without something for a certain period of time, in the Bible fasting was always food Uh, some people have dietary things today and all that, uh-uh, but I'm going to challenge you to fast. If you're able to fast at least one meal over the next two weeks. Some of you, I'm going to challenge you can go more than a meal. I can go a little more than a meal. I can do a day or two. I'm going to do a day. But I'm going to challenge some of you to fast one day. And I want you to pray that God will continue to go before us. We need, we need to reach more people for Jesus. It's the call of God. God's not willing that anyone should perish in our city. This is not a preacher boy speaking. This is the word of God speaking to you. God's speaking to us. Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. That's what we're about. We're about reaching people for Christ and raising them in the way to go. And then on November 16th, we're going to have a celebration. We're going to have a huge celebration party. We're We're going to come together Sunday morning, and I'm going to challenge you. This is what I'm going to challenge you to do on that Sunday morning. Between now and then, I'm going to challenge you and your family to get together because we're going to take a special offering. We're going to receive a special offering. And I'm going to ask you to give sacrificially. And then I'm going to challenge you to give every month for the next two years. That's what I'm going to challenge you to do. As the leader, Joshua, the priest, they they had to go first. And I'm going first. This is not a comfortable moment for me, but this is what God has put in our heart. My wife and I, this is what God has put in our heart as we lead the way on this celebration Sunday to make the impossible possible. See, God's going to do his part. and God's asking me to do my part. And my part that Sunday is that, I mean, I, I've been praying about this. And almost, I'm gathering as much money that I can get out of my savings account. I'm draining my bank account, my savings account. And on that Sunday, I'm going to bring $25,000. Taking money out of my retirement account, I'm going to bring $25,000. And then over the next two years, I'm going to give another $25,000. i am going to get $50,000. $50,000 without $1 million, that's, for me, I'm, But you know what, at the end of the day, when I go to heaven, you know what, it's like Joyce said, God's going to provide for me because I know God. I've never lacked in God. And I'm going to challenge The challenge when I say big numbers like that is that some people feel like they don't have to do anything. The miracle was that they all went across on dry ground. The miracle was that they all crossed the Jordan. I'm going to challenge everyone to be part of this miracle. Some of you can only give a little bit. But over the next two years, I'm going to challenge you to believe God to get it to you. Because if he can get it to you and you believe... He can get that money through you. God will get it to you. And I'm going to challenge you to pray with your family about what do we do. You know, we're going to see this happen. We're going to see a miracle. We're going to see God make the impossible possible. I'm stepping out for me to even say that we're going into this building. Because right now it looks like an impossibility. But I believe the time is now. The time is now for us as a church family to believe God for the impossible. I texted one of the brothers this week. I said, is it easier? I was thinking about Bob. He said, is it easier for God to raise the dead or to provide a million dollars for this church family to take on next step? Which, what's easier for God? What, what, what do you think? Because you work in the realm of money. Well, people talk about billions and billions, trillions in our code. What's easier? You walked in that hospital room. Come on. What do you believe? I know a God, the God of miracles. Does it always work the way I think? No. Well, God gives you a word. God gave Joshua a word. They were to cross then. We're going to cross then at full floodplain, full flood stage, so that God can get all the credit and all the glory. And we're going to look back on the other side, and we're going to say, God, only you could have done this. You get all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Can you put your hands together? Let's give God a great big hand clap this morning. Come on, I want you to take your neighbor's hand.